Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. We're going to cover the first three verses. And this evening, the title is The Heavenly Visitors. The Heavenly Visitors. From chapter 14, where we first started, to now chapter 19, there's been a span of 15 or more years. And from Lot's exile from uh, Sodom to the events here in chapter 19, uh, this is the next place in Scripture that, that it focuses on Lot. Chapters 14 through 19, between these, verse, these chapters, uh, they focus on, on, the, uh, on, Lot, on Abraham totally. Chapters 14 through 19 focused on Abraham totally. When the scripture focuses on Lot here in chapter 19, we see a very spiritually degraded and immoral scene. Lot and the city of Sodom didn't learn anything from their experience, from their exile from Sodom by King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, they didn't learn anything from their gracious and miraculous rescue by Abraham from their captors. Lot and the city of Sodom became even more defiled. During those 15 or more years, Sodom went down, down, deeper and deeper also into the life of Sodom's profane society. But as God said in Genesis 6-3, he said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. There is a line that people cross. And God says, I'm done. You've crossed that line and there's no remedy for what you have. There's no cure for what you're dealing with. We learn that there is a time limit to God's grace and mercy for those who are unrepentant. Here, as we get into chapter 19, Sodom is entering the evening of her last day of existence. In other words, Sodom is close to the end of their existence here in chapter 19. You see, if God had a clock in heaven, it would be showing five minutes to midnight. Judgment would come the next day. And Sodom, from that moment on, would just be a past memory, past history. And will be buried in shame and buried literally under the Dead Sea. Also, when we come to chapter 19 here, Lot, though he will be spared death when Sodom is destroyed, he will also have a few hours left before his life will suffer a devastating blow that he'll never recover from. Except for his two daughters, both who will lead him into incest will lose everything. Family, fortune, it will all be gone. Chapter 19 is one of the most terrible chapters in the Bible. And it's a reminder of the shocking possibilities of sin. But it needs to be seriously and studied and meditated on. Especially today in light of all that's going on because it's very applicable to our day. Because it shows us the abomination of God, again, against homosexuality and his great condemnation of it. And today we can see the increasing acceptance of homosexuality, evidenced by the frequent, uh, frequent, frequent protests, parades, and school teachings it, uh, praising of it, and legislation protecting it. And again, as I said from the beginning, it's not an attack on homosexuals. It's what God says about the lifestyle. God died for them, and we need to remember that. 
And it's not any worse than any other sin that the Bible, uh, you know, talks about. You know, sins are different, but uh, the thing about them, to God, they're all one. But there are different consequences on the, based on the, the sin itself. So we're going to be looking at it through the eyes of God, not man's opinions or feelings or, or whatever it might be. We're looking at it through God's word and the words that he uses. Our nation, and especially the church, needs to pay more attention to what this chapter says than we do. Because if we don't pay attention to what this chapter says, then we better be close to a fire and brimstone proof umbrella. Because we're going to need them. Because we are no better than Sodom and Gomorrah. And when I say church, I mean born-again, Bible-believing children of God. Not a Christian in name only. And you know, if you notice in Scripture, I think the, the word Christian is used twice. But the Bible never says, talks about Christians going to heaven. It talks about children of God going to heaven. And that's important to understand. Yeah, a, a right on a child of God is a Christian, but there are Christians, they're not right on children of God. It's the child of God, the Bible says, that goes to heaven. John 1, 12. He says that, that those you know, who come to Christ, you know, it said that, that, that when they receive Christ, God is the one who gives them the authority to become children of God. Notice, children of God. And that's important to understand. Again, not being a Christian in name only. This chapter also shows, shows us by Lot's behavior the, the pathetic behavior of a worldly Christian. And this chapter will give us the rest of the history of Lot as it is written for us in the scriptures. And it's a history of how degenerate a believer's behavior can get when it's turned over to worldliness. We need to study this chapter so that it can help us avoid Lot's worldly ways that unfortunately are very popular and accepted today in Christianity. So we're going to study the first three verses and we're going to think about the visit of the, uh, the, visit of the heavenly visitors to Sodom and to Lot. Because these heavenly visitors, their visit was an initial visit before God destroyed Sodom. And it was a visit that was followed by a few hours after a visit to Abraham in Hebron. The heavenly angels' visit to Abraham in Hebron takes up all of chapter 18. So, you know, you may want to put your finger over in chapter 18 because we're going to look at some of the verses there and and compare them with verses uh, in chapter 19. But now let's begin by looking at uh, verses 1 through 9. I'm sorry, verses 1 and 2 in, in, in chapter 19. It says, now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. And when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them. He bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, here, my lords, please turn in to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet, and then you may rise and go your way. Look at their reply. And they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. So these two angels, they came to Sodom in the evening, the scripture says. So first of all, let's look at who these these people were that came to visit Lot. These angels were two of the three heavenly angels that visited Abraham about six hours or so before this visit to Lot. 
And these are the two same angels who visited Abraham. But in chapter 18, verse 22, they are the same two angels who turned away. That is, they left Abraham and went toward Sodom. These two angels were sent to Sodom by God to inspect the city about its wickedness. Earlier in the day, God told Abraham about the inspection of Sodom when he told Abraham in chapter 18, verse 21, I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the outcry against it. So we're going to see in later studies that the two angels didn't stay in Sodom before they confirmed the terrible wickedness of the city. And when Abraham was made aware by God of the inspection of Sodom, he obviously suspected it would confirm the wickedness of Sodom and bring judgment from God so that he made his famous intercession to God about sparing Sodom for the sake of the righteous. So this heavenly duo that Lot received was just two angels compared to three angels that visited Abraham. And this shows us right away a definite, condemning, and instructive difference between the reception of Lot and the reception of Abraham. A difference between how these angels received Lot and how these, these three angels, you know, three angels received Abraham versus two that received Lot. Abraham received three heavenly guests. He received the two angels that came to Lot, plus it says he was visited by the Lord. Chapter 18, verse 1, 13, 17, verse 20, and 22. Lot was visited by only two angels, but he wasn't visited by the Lord like Abraham was. To be visited by two angels, hey, that's a great honor. That would be a big deal. It is a big deal. But when you compare it to the visit of Abraham, the visit that he received... The honor to Lot suddenly becomes a dishonor because it's the fact that Lot wasn't visited by God, only by two angels. This is a definite condemnation or disapproval of Lot. Lot wouldn't go there. You see, Lot will not receive as high a ranking of his visitors from heaven as Abraham did. A worldly Christian doesn't receive the highest spiritual blessings like those who walk close to God. The worldly Christian won't enjoy the close fellowship with the Lord that the obedient saint will experience. So now let's look at where or the place that Lot received the heavenly visitors. It says, notice, Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. The way cities were built uh, in the Bible, they were constructed uh, in many ways that are different than our cities today. Cities in Bible times were fenced in by walls. They were surrounded by walls and they had gates in them where you could go in and out of the city. Now, the main reason for the gates was for entering into and exiting the city, but they were also used for other purposes. The Bible's uh, teacher, uh, T. Whitelaw, said, Corresponding to the ancient form of the Romans, or Agora of the Greeks, the city gate among the Hebrews and among other nations was the customary place of resort or choice for settling of disputes, the transaction of business, or the enjoyment of ordinary social intercourse. So the officials of the city would sit at the city gate. 
And they would sit there to take care of any legal matters or any business that the people brought to them. So finding Lot at the gate of wicked Sodom in the evening, when the angels came to Sodom, that doesn't speak very well of Lot at all. Because the way the Bible describes Lot's presence at the gate, he was sitting in the midst of that profane society. He was sitting at the gate, which shows that he very likely had a position of authority in Sodom. But that doesn't justify him being there, sitting at the gate, because Lot should have never been a resident of wicked Sodom, let alone sitting at the city gate. And that's because it wasn't his faith that put him there. It wasn't for spiritual reasons that Lot was there in Sodom and sitting at the gate. So it wasn't God who put him there. It was for nothing more than Lot's love for this present evil world that blindly led him to first choose toward Sodom and then to pitch his tent toward Sodom and then finally sit at the gate of Sodom. Note the progressive backsliding. James said, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. James 4.4. 4. 1 John 2.15, John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The word world that James uses means, of course, human society apart from God. Worldliness means being a worldly person in society apart from God. The whole system of things in this society of ours is anti-Christ and it's anti-God. And it's becoming more evident every day. Abraham, James says, was the friend of God. James 2.23. Lot was the friend of the world. And Lot ended up in a war, and Abraham had to rescue him. We saw that in chapter 14 of Genesis. A Christian gets involved with the world gradually. And as I mentioned earlier, (coughs) Lot had to be going through a spiritual decline. And as a result, he made these poor choices in life. James says here in James chapter 4, verse 4, he says that the friend that... Excuse me, the friendship of the world, that he was a friend of the world. (coughs) This is friendship of the world. And this results in being spotted by the world, James 1.27, so that areas of our lives are approved by the world. Excuse me. Okay, so Abraham, the Bible says, was a friend of God. Lot was a friend of the world. And he ended up in a war. Abraham had to rescue him. Again, the, the friendship of the world is an enmity with God. And then in James, we get spotted by the world after that. So that our area of, there are areas of our lives that are proved by the world. Friendship with the world leads to loving the world, John said. So this makes it easy to conform to the world, Paul said in, John, in Romans 12 too. He said, don't be conformed to this world. All right, but again, transform by the renewing of your mind. 
The sad result is, is being condemned with the world. If you make friendship with the world, you love the world, you conform to the world, then you end up being, you end up being condemned with the world. Or as Paul says, saved as yet by fire. Friendship with the world is compared to adultery. James started out in 4.4, you adulteresses and you adulterers. Because you see, the, mar- the, the, the believer is married to Christ. And we ought to be faithful to him. The Jewish Christians who read this letter would understand the picture of spiritual adultery. Because the prophets, Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Hosea, they all used it when rebuking Judah for her sins. And by adopting the sinful ways of the other nations, and by worshiping their gods, the nation of Judah committed adultery against her God. The world is the enemy of God. And the scriptures, whoever wants to be a friend of the world cannot be the friend of God. And he can't be a friend of God either if he lives for the flesh. Because this is the second enemy that James named. So in order for Lot to be in the place that he was physically and spiritually, there had to be a spiritual decline going on in his life, leading him to a moral decline in his life to choose living there. Among so, pra- so, so, so depraved a people. And that eventually he would, it would be in, uh, impossible to stay there. So instead of being, trouble, uh, uh, of being troubled in his righteous soul while he was there in Sodom, he would have hightailed it out of there as soon as he could, the first chance he got. Because again, Peter said he was a righteous man. And that being the case, it, it, he should have, again... Experiencing all of that stuff, he should have left you know, as soon as he had the opportunity. Compared to Lot, who was sitting at the gate of Sodom when the two angels visited him, Abraham, on the other hand, was sitting in his tent door, according to Genesis 18.1. Abraham was sitting in his tent door when the angels visited him. Now, these two different locations, the city gates of Sodom and the, and the tent of Abraham, they say a lot about these two men. One is commended for his location, obviously Abraham, sitting in the, tent, in the door of his tent. And the other is to be condemned for his location, Lot sitting in the gates of Sodom. At the tent door of Sodom, I'm sorry, at the tent door of Abraham, that's a picture of faith. At the gate of Sodom, it's a picture of corruption. At the door of Abraham is character. And at the gate of Sodom is filthiness. At the tent door of Abraham is protection. And at the gate of Sodom is danger. Our spirituality is displayed for everybody to see when we, when, when, when we like to hang out with those you know, that, that are of ungodly nature. When, when we like to hang out with those we like to hang out with, if they're of a godly nature, it shows, again, it displays our spirituality. To stay at home or to be with some other wholesome, or be at some other wholesome place with people of character, that might not seem to be as exciting as being in the above-mentioned places of the world. And being in wholesome places with wholesome people will bring the scorn and the ridicule of a lot of people. But it won't destroy your character. And it won't draw the condemnation and the curse of God. So let's look at how Lot <clears throat> received the heavenly visitors based on what verses 1 and 2 says. Lot's welcoming and his offer of hospitality on the outside, it looks really good. 
Notice it says in verse 1 that, that Lot rose. He stood up when those visitors came. He welcomed them. He offered for them to spend the night at his house. Lot's response was a lot different than what others in Sodom would have done. But Lot's reception of the two visitors was cold compared to Abraham's actions when he first saw the two angelic visitors. When Abraham saw the visitors in, verse, in chapter 18, too, notice it says he ran to meet them. Abraham ran to meet them. In chapter 18, 6, it says Abraham hurried. And in 18.7, it says Abraham hastened to provide a place for his guests to stay. Abraham ran, he hurried, he hastened to deal with these godly guests. On top of that, it says in 18.1, all of this hurrying was done, notice, in the heat of the day. This means the sun was at its highest point in the sky and it was at the brightest in the sky. And I think, look at this, and I, and I think of service, serving God. Abraham ran. He hurried. He hastened in serving God. And he did it in the heat of the day. This means, like I said, the sun was, was hot and it was, you know, it was just, would be miserable. We don't see this kind of enthusiasm with Lot. Lot lacked this enthusiasm for godly generosity. But that comes when someone is not devoted to God and to the things of God. Lot was a worldly Christian, and worldliness kills enthusiasm for good and good good things. It kills enthusiasm for God and godly things. You know, many Christians go to church involved in ministry they stay away from ungodly practices they stay away from ungodly people but they don't do well when it comes to serving the lord and this is because they lack enthusiasm for spiritual things excellent service isn't going to happen if devotion to the lord is lacking and paul says in romans 12 11, not lacking in diligence in serving the Lord. The word lacking, lagging, not lagging, means slack. Not being slack in your diligence in serving the Lord. He said fervent in spirit and serving the Lord. The word fervent means to be red hot. That's literally what it means, to be hot. Or it can mean serve the Lord with zealous, a zealous spirit or let the spirit excite you as you serve the Lord. And because of this lack of devotion, we'll see the lack of service repeated over and over again in our churches everywhere. Some Christians don't have much excitement or a fiery hot spirit in serving the Lord. Abraham ran, he hurried, he hastened in everything that he did in serving these three angels and serving the Lord. Abraham had the privilege of being visited by the angels first, the heavenly angels first. And this is especially significant in regards to the information that the visiting angels gave Abraham about Sodom. Because they had other things to say to Abraham, mainly about the promise of the coming, uh, the coming of Isaac in chapter 18, verses 19 to 15. But they also told Abraham about the destruction of Sodom. Now Lot, he didn't learn about this destruction of Sodom until later on 
Even though he lived in Sodom, he didn't know about it. The lesson here is that the godly have a priority with God when it comes to divine revelation and illumination. Those who by faith live in Hebron, which again is, is, is symbolic of living in a heavenly place, a godly place, those who, who by faith live in Hebron in fellowship with God, they will receive divine revelation and illumination and they will enjoy significant advantages over those who live in disobedience in Sodom. You can find both kinds of servants in the church. Some like Abraham, who live a godly life and are wise in the knowledge of the word of God. Then there are others like Lot, living in a worldly life, living a worldly life, and they're ignorant of spiritual things. And, and, and you wonder, do they, do they read the word of God at all, let alone study it? In the different times of the heavenly visitor's visit, they symbolically represent the different places where Lot and Abraham were. Again, Abraham lived in Hebron. Hebron is the place always associated with the fellowship with God. So it was the place of spiritual light. So Abraham was walking in the light regarding spiritual matters. And the heavenly visitors visiting him when the sun is highest in the sky emphasizes this fact because in Scripture, light speaks of godliness and of blessing. And even though Abraham will fail several times later on, the future of Abraham was basically one of light and his testimony throughout history was one of light. So Abraham's life is a great encouragement to those who walk faithfully before the Lord. Lot was living in Sodom, the place that will always be associated with the grossest of sins. So Sodom was a place of spiritual darkness. Lot was walking in the dark when it comes to spiritual matters. So the heavenly visitors visited him in the evening and throughout the night. It says, and, it, and it emphasizes that fact. In the scripture, darkness speaks of wickedness and judgment. That characterizes Sodom and Lot well. And shortly after the visit to wicked Sodom by the heavenly angels, both Sodom and Lot would experience judgment and Lot would go on to greater wickedness. It's a terrible account or record and a powerful warning about the great danger of worldliness in the life of the believer. Now let's look at the angel's response to Lot's, invitate, to angels, uh, to Lot's invitation. Look at verses 2 and 3 again. Lot said to the angels, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet, and then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. Verse 3. But he insisted strongly, so they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Notice the coldness of the angel's response to Lot about his initial invitation to come and spend the night there. It shows the big difference in their response to Abraham's invitation earlier in the day. When Abraham offered hospitality to the heavenly visitors about six hours earlier, their response to Abraham was, do as you have said, Abraham. Go ahead, do, do what you have said. Genesis 18, 5. But here, when Lot offered them hospitality, they greeted this offer with total rejection. They said, no, we'll spend the night outside in the open square. 
Their cold response to Lot's invitation was a real slap in the face for Lot. But again, he had it coming. You see, their rejection basically said, no thanks, Lot, we'd rather sleep in the street than in your house. Can you imagine? I thought too, what if angels came knocking at our door and we invited him and we invited him to stay in there? What would they say to us? Are there things in our house, in our life that they wouldn't want to come in and visit and hang around? Their rejection of Lot's invitation is a slap in the face to his worldliness and the worldliness and his slack of devotion to heavenly things. By moving to Sodom, Lot showed that he preferred the ungodly over the godly. And that showed that he wasn't very interested in the things of heaven. Because he was more interested and attracted to the things that God was so upset about. And those things God was going to destroy with fire and brimstone. And bury Sodom underwater. So what a condemning accusation Lot received from the two angels. No wonder the heavenly gifts gave Lot the cold shoulder when he invited him into the house. Abraham, on the other hand, he took pleasure in the presence of God. So his invitation was accepted immediately when the two angels visited him. The angels' cold response to Lot's invitation helps explain why some people complain about not feeling the presence of God in their lives and for not getting answers to their prayers. You see, if our actions and our behavior and our associations show that we'd rather be with ungodly people than with the godly, like Lot, who preferred the Sodomites' company over Abraham's company, then we can't complain if God doesn't show much interest in fellowshipping with us. Because God prefers the godly crowd. And if our prayers seem to be continually rejected, in, in asking the things that we want God to do for us in our, in our prayers, and they're seldom answered, if at all, then we can't complain. Don't complain. By living a life of rebellion to God, His ways and His word, you have rejected what He wants you to do. So when He rejects what you want Him to do, you're only getting what's coming to you. And if you want God to do what you ask of him, you better do what God asks of you. The reception that, the heaven, uh, that heaven gives anyone will match the reception of your li- that your life is giving to God. Again, notice verse 3. But he insisted strongly you know, that they come in. So they, so they turned into him and entered his house. And then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. So after the angels first rejected Lot's invitation to spend the night at his house, the angels changed their mind a little later on and finally accepted Lot's hospitality. Now, what was it that caused their change of mind? Before Lot was able to persuade them to accept his offer of hospitality, he first had to show them that he was for reals, that he was really serious about inviting them into his house. Because the angels needed to have proof that he really wanted them to be there as his guests. And that's why it says there he insisted strongly that they come in and spend the night. And by insisting strongly, that was enough proof that his invitation was for real and it changed the angels' minds. Because of the godless condition of Sodom, <clears throat> it probably helped Lot to be serious about his offer to the angels. And when the visiting angel said, hey, they'd rather stay in the street all night long, Lot might have thought, man, that's not going to be a good idea for them. 
It's not good for them. It's going to be dangerous for them out there. And later on in the chapter, we're going to see that it would be pretty dangerous to stay in the streets. So it really impressed upon Lot to invite them in to stay at his house. So Abraham was once again, uh, once again in comparison, Abraham was once again in comparison to Lot. You know, he wasn't tested about his uh, sincerity about his uh, offer to hospitality. Abraham wasn't tested like Lot was about his hospitality. Because the angels knew Abraham's character. So they didn't have any questions about his sincerity because they knew that he was a man of, of different character. But because Lot wanted to live in Sodom, hey, it raised questions about his sincerity. So they had to test Lot. Abraham's spirituality would assure genuineness in his offer of hospitality, but Lot's worldliness, it would do the opposite. It would raise questions. Because worldliness doesn't produce genuineness in character because worldliness is deceitful. It's sneaky. And it's filled with wrong motives. Worldly people's show of charity is not always sincere. A lot of times it's done just for show. In church, a worldly Christian is an actor. Hypocrite. His talk about love for the church, for the Lord, and for his word, it's just to impress. It's not genuine, as we'll see. When, when, when things like a church service gets, gets you know, in the way of his plans and interests you know, outside of church. So, so Lot, the worldly Christian, he needed to be tested to see if his invitation to the angels was for real or not. And so the action of the two angels reminds us of the action of Jesus with the couple on the road to Emmaus. Now, they had to beg him to stay the night with him in Luke 24, 28 and 29. But, you know, even though they showed that they were more interested in heavenly things than Lot, still their hearts were filled with unbelief when Jesus joined them on the road because Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. So the test was necessary to prove them to be sincere. God responds differently to faith and unbelief differently to those who separate from the world than those who choose to mingle with it in matthew 7 verse 6 jesus said don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy don't throw your pearls to pigs god doesn't give out the highest blessings and entertaining such a heavenly guest is truly a choice blessing to those who don't show any value of such blessing so before, you've, you, before you receive spiritual blessings, you might have to change your ways and start to put out real enthousi enthusiastic efforts to get them. You know, if God seems so far away to you and it seems like you can't get close to God, do as Paul says in Colossians 3, 2. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. And then you'll experience a closer walk with God. And then notice Lot's changed after showing his sincerity. Again in verse 3. Again it says that he assisted strongly. So they turned into him and entered his house. To Lot's credit, he wasn't just all talk when he sincerely pleaded with the heavenly angels to stay the night with him at his house. When the heavenly guests, guests finally accepted his invitation, they came to dwell with him. And Lot took real good care of them. His, hospi his hospitality, it wasn't as good as Abraham's, 
which showed that he was superior, which showed Abraham was superior in character and spirituality compared to Lot. But it doesn't take away from the fact that Lot really did well with the two angels. Because it says he prepared a feast for them. And the word feast here is the word that's commonly used for an extravagant meal. He prepared an extravagant meal for these two angels. A costly meal. Lot knew how to put on a feast. And he did so for his heavenly guests. But Lot's problem was that he was living in Sodom. He was guilty of putting on feasts mostly for the wrong guests. So in closing, we see people like Lot all around us. They put out their best efforts. You know, they they put out their best tablecloths, their best silverware, their best dishes. They're on their best behavior for, for the sinful things and for the things that don't really matter. But when it comes to God, when it comes to the church, when it comes to that which concerns the soul, anything will do. It's good enough. And that should never be our attitude towards God, that it's good enough. God deserves our best. And that's because he does his best for us. And when you look at the cross, hey, what else could God do? He gave his best, his only begotten son. It's the same problem that Israel had, which was so condemned by the prophet Malachi. Malachi says, man, you guys offered polluted bread to the Lord. You guys offered blind animals. Animals with sores. Animals that were lame. Animals that were sick. But these kind of practices will bring the curse of God upon those who who offer him those kind of offerings. God warned them that he would curse their, their blessings. And if they didn't start doing the will of God from the heart, notice, doing the will of God from the heart. Not just from to, to look good or to feel good, or, you know, you know, but from the heart and giving him their best. Jesus said in Matthew twenty two thirty seven. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. In other words, love God with every fiber of your being. Father, once again, we thank you for your word, Lord. And Father, we thank you for the examples that you give us, Lord. And again, as Paul said, these things were written for our admonition and our advice. Father, that we would learn from these others what we are to do and not to do, God, so that we don't learn, have to learn by experience, Lord. Help us to be soft-hearted and not hard-headed, Lord. Father, that we would learn through the scriptures and through those that, that show their love and their service to you, Lord, full on and, and just full of heart, God, body, body soul, and spirit. So Lord, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for all that you do for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.